1: Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And if you want to join our late-night national town hall conversation, feel free to do so. Our phone number is 833-482-5337, 8334-VALDEZ. And man, let me tell you, it's uh, it's exhausting to look at some of the news, right? There's plenty of, uh, of news, and uh, it seems like it's the same stuff, but it's getting worse. There's a bunch of things we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, there's uh, some things I want to kind of go off the beaten path a little bit, because how much of the carnage can we talk about? We're going to talk about it, but uh, I just I can't do um, all bad news all the time. I just can't do it, and I think many of you can't either. Things are still crazy in the Middle East, uh, Israel, Palestine. It's uh, not a good it's not a good time at all. There's also um, a lot of developments coming out of Washington, Capitol Hill, big meetings. And there's uh, seems to be some consensus on Steve Scalise uh, while he's not uh, official yet. It seems like that's the direction that they're going. And we'll see if he can get the votes that are needed. But that seems to be what uh, most Republicans are are opting to do that. And I have a clip of that, and I want you to hear it. Check it out.
2: We have a lot of work to do, Uh, not just in the House for the people of this country, but we see how dangerous of a world it is and how things can change so quickly. Uh, We need to make sure we're sending a message to people all throughout the world that the House is open and doing the people's business.
1: And I think that's what most Americans are concerned about, is that Congress is doing the people's business. And honestly, when, even when we have a speaker, that isn't getting done, right? It's not the people's business for us to be in debt up to our ears. It's not the people's business for uh, Congress to just earmark everything they can for pork barrel spending. Uh, we have to get rid of the, the spending problem. Again, maybe that's my utopian fantasy, thinking that we live in, a, in an age or an era where we can get away from that. I don't know if we can or can't. I know that I'll continue to talk about small government and, and limited spending and, you know, the, the conservative uh, ideals that, that I espouse. But I oftentimes think and say, you know, is this just my own fantasy land? Is it a possibility? Can we ever have a Congress where it's not just one, three or five conservatives that are out there, you know, beating their drum, but where you have enough of them to actually make a difference? We're going to get into that a little bit more um, right after this, in the next segment. But it is concerning for me. I I always look at that and I think, man, not not good. No bueno. Uh, Another thing I want to talk about tonight is, as I've gotten older, and again, not old by any means, I'm 45, I turned 45 this year, I've learned that what we eat really has an outcome on how we feel whether it's directly related to your health or just the way it holds you down, the way you feel heavy after certain meals and not so heavy heavy after others. So i are going to talk about that because there's uh, some research out there to suggest that what you eat can be directly related to depression. And I thought that was interesting because as far as I knew, people were depressed, so they ate more. You know, it, They were looking for that dopamine fix and they said, hey, let me eat and I'll feel better. But that's not exactly um the case anymore there's actually some some links between certain foods certain types of foods and depression and i want to dig into that as well uh, i also want to talk about the economy and the jobs report the jobs report came out biden said it was terrific like he always does even when they 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 don't meet the mark right you know they'll say we were expecting x amount of new jobs and they'll fall short of that and be like yeah we did great we're adding more jobs than anybody ever it's the best economy on the planet and I mean that, Jack. Come on, man. You know, he says all sorts of things. So I want to jump into that conversation as well a little bit later on. And, of course, your calls. I uh, always love uh, speaking with the callers all across the country. Now, um, just an update on what's going on with um, the death toll in Israel from people that were murdered by Hamas in this crazy war. United States citizens are up to 22. 22. 22 Americans have been killed. Isn't it interesting? Meanwhile, here in the United States, you've got, finally, some um, companies that are making sense for once. You've got CEOs, the the heads of companies that are saying, you know what, we are not going to hire these pro-Palestinian Harvard students. Fascinating. Didn't think I was going to see that. I thought they'd be like, oh, you, you're, uh, you support the terrorists? Great. Come on board. We're going to hire you. Seems like that's what they do. I don't know. All I could tell you is uh, it seems like things are starting to, like, seems like people are starting to make sense a little bit more than they used to. Sadly, it takes the beheadings of, you know, 40 babies and whatnot and, and, and the murder of over 1,000 people. 22 of which were American to to get to this realization where they say, man, this is not a good situation. We're not in good shape. I agree. We're not in good shape. Anyway, uh, again, Steve Scalise won that nomination for House Speaker, and he's now got to pass the floor vote, which is going to be the bigger of the tasks. Um, We saw McCarthy again had also had the nomination and took him 15 rounds of voting. I don't, I, my gut tells me and I've got a pretty decent gut that we won't see 15 rounds. I I don't see it, Um, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I don't know. And um, just another, a quick aside. Do you remember a couple of months ago, maybe eight weeks ago, six weeks ago, maybe even five weeks ago, who knows? uh, A young lady named Carly Russell, I think she was in Alabama and she faked her own kidnapping. Well, she was uh, found guilty of that. So there you go. And years ago, I remember I was watching a television show. You know, I always watch CNN, MSNBC, and and the other channels to find out what's going on from their perspective. And there was a guy named Cenk Uger. I think that's how you pronounce his name. I hope I got it right. And he was, um, he had a show, still has a show called The Young Turks. I think it's on YouTube and they stream it. But at the time he had a show on MSNBC. And I remember him saying, and, and a big YouTube show as well. And I remember somebody said, oh, you know, I heard them talking to you about you on this program. So I, I listened and he was, you know, criticizing me for my um, alliances with James O'Keefe and whatnot. And this same Cenk Uger C-E-N-K-U-I-G-U-R, has announced a primary challenge to President Joe El Baboso Biden. What are you saying? And we have a quick clip of that, but we'll play it for you a little bit later when we jump into this story. Uh, because um Cenk U- Uyghur Uger, excuse me, he is a very, very entertaining guy. I don't agree with much of what he says, but I always enjoy listening to what he says. Uh, because it's just its a fascinating take on on how we could see things so differently despite looking at the same things. So uh, keep it locked right here. We're going to have an excellent um, slate of guests for you tonight. Our phone number, if you want to join the conversation, 833 482 833-4valdez. This
0: is America at Night.
2: thank you rich and thank you for everything i know you very well and i have i listen but i have a lot of people that listen and they love your show and i appreciate it very much
0: america at night with rich valdez
1: all right america welcome back and i want to continue our discussion on what's going on on capitol hill with congresswoman beth van dyne she's a republican from texas 24th district she's on the ways and means committee the small business committee and the republican study group congresswoman beth van dyne welcome back
3: how are you it's good to be it's good to be back it's good to be back
1: amen to that so i want you to bring us up to speed everybody's you know kind of bogged down with all of the crazy news coming out of israel with the hamas terrorists murdering people and uh there's a, a speakers race on the Hill that we we're hearing about. We uh, we've heard the news today that uh, Congressman Steve Scalise is um, securing the nomination. But far from a victory. Break it down for us.
3: <laughs> well, you know, I mean, like there's there's what, 220 plus of us right now. And we've got a three member majority, four member Maybe Uh, we've got some people who aren't in town we need everybody here to vote. Uh, It's amazing what happens when you have to have everybody. And some folks are are, are pushing, I believe, for a unicorn on. We have had we've been in D.C. for the last three days. People have had an opportunity to vet. Everybody has had an opportunity to get up at the mic and share their thoughts. We had a candidates forum yesterday. Anybody who wanted to run had an opportunity to run. Anybody that wanted to nominate somebody had an opportunity to do that. Last night, you know, all of the, the, the two people who were nominated, that's Steve Scalise and that is Jim Jordan, had an opportunity to give statements. They had an opportunity to do Q&A. We've been here for three days now. Anybody that wanted to run should have run. Anybody that had an issue with voting for one of the two people that were nominated should have said so by now. I think when we are looking at just the horrific videos that we're seeing coming in from Israel. Oh boy! So I, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a member <laughs> that represents the state of Texas, and when I see what's happening at our borders, when I talk to people and they've had um, just untold horrors happen in their life through fentanyl, killing one of their children when we see the inflation and people who have saved up to buy a home no longer being able to have that american dream met because of the horrible policies that we're having it is very clear to me we need leadership it is not coming out of the oval office the house has been the only body that has been able to actually pass legislation that is able to pass out appropriation bills we have got to have leadership in that body I wish we had stayed last week when we had that motion to vacate. I wish we'd stayed. I wish we'd worked it through. And I wish we had already nominated a speaker. But right now, we owe it to the American people and, quite honestly, the rest of the world that's watching. We owe it to them to get our our act together to elect a speaker and move forward.
1: I don't disagree with you, Congresswoman. I um, I made similar statements uh, either on Friday or on Monday. I felt, and I'm not laying blame on anybody, but I feel like it was the perfect storm for for any yeah. foreign enemy of ours, right? To say, look, um, you know, you got a, a president that's barely breathing, you've got a Congress that has no leader. Um, now's the time, right? Why not? Let's go mm-hmm. for it. And they did. And and I, I don't put that at the feet of of anybody in Congress because who would have known? Um, but ultimately, I think you said it best. We owe it to ourselves. We owe it to the rest of the world. We have to get. Things going, and uh, I agree with you. Look, I know things are crazy for a lot of people, but ultimately we have to come up with with an answer, a solution here. And either one of these guys, from everybody I've spoken with, uh, everybody seems to have at least uh, their colleagues, your colleagues, seem to have good things to say about either of them. And everybody's basically said either one of them would make a great speaker. Um, what do you think is the holdup? Is it a timing thing? Is it that the the vote is delayed or people are just refusing to come in because you have such a thin majority as it's two twenty one, right? Is that the, the final number?
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So you can't get um, all 221 Republicans together.
3: You need 217. You need 217 votes. So again, we've got a four member majority, but here's the problem. Um, the longer time goes on, the more conversations are having behind closed doors. We had two strong conservative speakers. Nobody, I think, can can question the fact that Jim Jordan, you know, constitutional conservative, he has been out in front of the Judiciary Committee, you know, as chairman, and he has been railing and doing a phenomenal job of bringing information to the public that needs to be transparent, that people need to see, holding people accountable, asking the questions that have been prevented, you know, from the deep state from being asked for years He's doing that. Nobody can argue that he is not a a very strong conservative voice. He's out there. Steve Scalise, God bless him, man. He took a bullet for the country simply because he was a Republican. He has come back full force. um, and, And he was the only person last year who was running for leadership that ran unopposed. And he got a unanimous approval. You know, when when the vote came, everybody voted for him and he has been out there and he has been a very strong voice for the conference. He's, You know, he has when he when he is in in, uh, uh, D.C., you know, most nights he's spending out with members talking about their families, talking about their goals, talking about what they want to accomplish while they're here. These are two strong patriots, two strong Americans. And I think that, you know, we owe it to our colleagues if you wanted to run. Put your name out when they ask the nomination. If you did not want to vote for one or the other, if that was going to be, get the majority of votes, I think you owe it to your colleagues to be honest. While we are in conference, and say, "Look, you know this. I can't. I can't support this person for this reason because my district is not going to allow it." But get those conversations out. We have been in D.C. now for three days. everybody's voice had an opportunity to be heard so i think what you're seeing is the longer it's going on people are kind of getting into their corners but again i moving forward is the only way that i know there are way too many things that we have to do i mean look at what's going on our border we've had eight million illegal crossings eight million that's over the population of 38 states we have to force the Biden administration and Democrats to do their jobs, right? We had to force them to enforce the laws and to secure the border before it's too late. You're seeing what's happening in, in, uh, in Israel. Do you, for a second, doubt that we've had terrorists that want to do us harm that have come in illegally through our border in the last two and a half years? Two over 200 that we know of have. But this is a priority if we do not have the luxury of time. The world is watching what's happening on our floor or, not, or what's not happening. And we cannot continue to have this vacuum of leadership. And, and look, we took the majority. We took the majority because after two years of the Biden administration, just crushing our American economy, crushing our energy production, looking what they've done with inflation, looking at our national security under the Biden administration, the American people should be support. Uh, you know, having a majority of Republicans in the house, we have got to do something with that majority. And it's got to be something other than fighting with one another.
1: Now the, um, the holdouts that are, that are speaking their mind now from your, from your colleagues. Is it the same ones from last time? Don't answer now. We're going to take a quick pause. We'll come right back. Folks We're on with Congresswoman Beth Van Dyne discussing the news of the day, the craziness in Israel. And of course the, um, closer and closer we get to having a speaker uh, of the House. Don't move a muscle. Again, our phone number, 833-482-5337. If you want to join us, 833-4-Valdez. Our guest, Congresswoman Beth Van Dyne from Texas. We're coming right back. I'm Rich Valdez.
4: Seeking the truth never gets old.
0: With
1: Rich Valdez. All right, America, we're on with Congresswoman Beth Van Dyne. She represents Texas's 24th district, and we're talking about everything under the sun, including the race for Speaker of the House of the United States House of Representatives. And um, <clears throat> Congresswoman Beth Van Dyne, I um, I'm looking at the the list of folks, and, and I'm I'm not mad at anybody because I think everybody's got a has a shot. But I agree with you in so much as if we're having a meeting about the meeting, right? That's Tuesday. <laughs> and we go through the nominations and now we have the nominations and we think it were good. And the guy who you wanted, let's say Jim Jordan, and he says, hey, look, I'm with Scalise. Um, there's only a few things I can deduce. And I think the American public can deduce, which is um, maybe there are some people that have really strongly held convictions that they will really want Jim Jordan. And that's fine. But then I see uh, Carlos Jimenez, a re- Republican from Florida, saying that he plans to vote for McCarthy until he says, hey, don't vote for anybody else but Scalise. Now, last week I interviewed uh, several of your colleagues, and this was a fear of mine, but it wasn't in this same scenario. It was in the scenario of people saying, I'm, I'm voting for Trump, and my presumption was that Trump would not do it. So, in effect, this is a, a vote that is a moot point. Do you think this is for the sake of grandstanding is it uh deeply held convictions I don't want to put you in a jam with your colleagues but I think the people listening are really just kind of dumbfounded here as to why why it's happening now and the way it's happening your thoughts
3: Look I'm, I I am I am equally as dumbfounded again I've been in a room with these folks for the last 3 days if we wanted to have a serious conversation and come to you know uh, come to an agreement instead of You know, we we, we looked at votes, a a rule change. Um, The rule change would have been that you had to come to 217 before you could bring, you know, a nomination to the floor. The conversation was never about a rule change. The conversation was, if you are not for one of these two candidates, stand up and say so. Let's get it out on the table. Let's have an adult conversation. Let's get it out on the table. Nobody came and said that. It's only until after the vote. And look, I think different people are having different you know, conversations right now. I think right. some folks during the um, vote to get McCarthy in were able to get different things. Um, I guarantee you some of those conversations are going on. But at the end of the day, what we need to be focused on is we are in the middle of a 45-day CR. We are facing a November 17th mm-hmm. deadline that if comes, again, we're facing a government shutdown. We have got to get appropriation bills out. We've already gotten 70% of the spend. We've already done that. The Senate is sitting on there. They're not doing anything. But we have got to get the rest of the appropriations bills out. We have got to come up with a solution of being able to fund government. And look, I was supportive last Friday of a bill that decreased our discretionary funding by 30%. It was the largest spending cut in our nation's history. It prioritized our border. It forced, you know, our our HR2, which is our Secure the Border Act, it forced that to the forefront. It tied that in with funding. It would force the Biden administration's Homeland Security uh, Agency to actually do its job. And it actually worked to extend for 30 days funding for things like our military, our veterans, and Homeland Security that they'd have to do their job. That was a bill that did not get enough support on the floor. So we ended up with a CR, a continuing resolution for 45 days. That deadline is coming up and we have yet to put the work in to getting a budget. And, you know, Republicans will all agree that we want to have a spending cut. We want to have a spending cut. That's easy to say. Mm -hmm. The work begins when you sit down and you say, this is where we're going to have to cut and get everybody on the same page. This is where we have to be able to fund, but this is where we're going to cut. And until we have those conversations that are important and that are productive, we're
5: wasting time.
1: Yeah, it is. And and I agree with you. I mean, it, it's a, not a huge number of people, but it's enough people to throw a, a wrench into the system here.
3: They only need four.
1: And, right. <laughs> and that's part of the problem. <laughs> that's part of the problem. And and, and it really does stink. And, and you know, I, I guess, you know, once we're done having our conversation, I'll try and figure out who's aiming for what. But uh, I, I just don't know. I see so many different names here, and it's just it, yeah. it's it's a little bit troubling because I think you know every time this happens, uh, if it, if there's a goal attached to it, like look, I'm negotiating for this, then stick to your guns and go for it. Especially if it's for something like uh, a particular spending cut. But this deal that you're talking about, this 30 percent decrease that strengthened the border and whatnot, um, has this died or is this still something that's on the table? We just no,
3: we can't no, get we the had a vote, right vote on now. it last Friday. We had a vote on it last Friday, and we had 20 21 of our Republicans who voted against it. Some said that you know they had held out that they would never vote for a continuing resolution. They had promised their constituents that, and I'd argue that the continuing resolution is exactly that. It continues the funds. It continues the Nancy Pelosi budget in those funds. This did not do that. This actually had policy attached to it. This was, a, like I said, a 30% cut in discretionary spending, and it focused on things like our military, our veterans, and homeland security. Um, so, but, but for some people, they just did not feel comfortable with any type of short-term funding, um, and so they voted against it. But we have way too many issues to be able to have this dramatic distraction. And, again, it's not it's not just what we have to do for our own country, which is important enough but also what, what's happening with our allies, you know, uh, across the world. And and I'm sorry, but last year I went to Israel and I, I, I brought my son and we visited the kibbutz that you are now seeing, um, 40, you know, innocent children yeah. and babies that were butchered, heads cut off, some of them were burned alive. We were there, we were talking to these families a year ago. And you are seeing Animals that are coming in and doing this. These folks are, are are relying on us. They they have been our strongest ally in the Middle East, and it, it, just from from a, a position of just what happens to America, we have lowest petroleum reserve levels that we've had. Thank you Biden because he wanted Never. to put that out there for the you know the midterm election so that we could have lower gas prices at a very short term basis. So we are now in trouble. We cannot continue to have this lack of leadership. There's too many things that are going to be coming to the floor. And until we elect a speaker, we can't move forward on bills. We can't get appropriations out. If we have a natural disaster like we saw happen in Maui, you know, a few months ago, Mm -hmm. we can't respond to it until we get a speaker.
1: How do you see this playing out? Do you think we go another 15 rounds where we hit another stalemate and then the the people that are pushing for Jordan say, Hey, look, I'm, I'm, we're digging our heels in. If you want a deal, we got to go with Jordan. Do you think there's enough of them to pull that off so that we could settle on Jordan? Or is it not about Jordan? Is it about self-preservation, committee chairmanships, uh, other angles that they're pursuing? How do you see this eventually unfolding?
3: Well, right now it's difficult because we spent three days in a room together and none of those discussions happened. And I think, again, if you're having, you know, um, those philosophical debates, owe it to your colleagues. Let's talk about that. Okay, if you only will, will, will support Scalise or you will only support Jordan, tell us that. Explain, explain why. Let's have, I and mean, that's a tough discussion to have, you know, actually having to, you know, say that out loud to your, to your colleagues. But that's the place to do it. Not when you go to the floor. Let's have those discussions. Let's have it out. And, and look, I don't mind having a brutal debate. When I was on city council, when I was mayor, we had a lot of brutal debates. But what I did know was, at the end of the night, we were going to have a vote. And a lot of times people left, you know, left the dais not happy, but that's because people had to compromise. Now, we had a smaller you know, number of votes, a you know, fewer number of voices, but this is, this is an, a, an important job. And we should be looking at it through a division of nobody is going to get the perfect candidate. The people who are running are willing to put their name out there. They're willing to be questioned and have to give answers. They're willing to have their histories and their votes, you know, put through the mud and having, you know, folks not just from the the conference, you know, but from, from outside media and their own districts question them. They're willing to do that. That's fine. Those are the folks who deserve consideration for leadership. Those who are willing to, you know, put their names out on a ballot. I think now you're seeing names that are kind of being being thrown out. Um, and it's hard to take some of it seriously when we've been in a room for three days where right. those conversations could have happened. And three days now, further into the 45-day deadline to November 17th, uh, three days after we have seen what's happened in Israel, uh, three days as a Texas resident and a Texas representative seeing how many more people are coming through our border. It's, there, there's no excuse. We need to move on. You're not going to get your perfect unicorn. But, you know, again, we have some really strong representatives that have put their name on a ballot for leadership. Let's discuss them, which we've already done. Let's have an, have an opportunity to answer the questions. And let's move beyond this. And, I, look, how how you get there. Is you get together in a room and you discuss it, but if people are are too afraid of, of of having their voices heard in a room with their colleagues, but they feel safer putting their you know that that, that stuff out on, in the Twitter universe, it's something I don't understand and I can't defend.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. Uh, we we definitely got to move on this, and ho- I'm hoping it's not another 15 rounds of votes, and I hope we have a resolution sooner rather Maybe than not. later. Congresswoman yeah. Beth Van Dyne, I want to thank you for your time and for kind of giving us a bird's eye view of what's going on. And uh, Godspeed to you. You're a gentlewoman, a patriot, and a scholar, and we appreciate you.
5: Thank
3: you. And pray for our country. Amen pray for to Congress that. to be able to make a, make make the right decisions. Too many people are counting on us for us to fail.
1: Amen to that. Folks, that's Congresswoman Beth Van Dyne. Make sure you give her a follow at Beth Van Dyne on Twitter and the rest of the social media platforms. And folks... There is more to come straight ahead. Your calls and more. What do you say about this stuff? Are they doing the right thing? Are they throwing bombs? Are they using leverage inappropriately? Or is this the right time to have this debate? I'd love to hear your thoughts. 833-482-5337. 833-4valdez.
0: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833 833- Four Valdez, that's 833 482 833 valdez that's Valdez with an S. <laughs> this is America at Night. With Rich Valdez.
2: I will be running for president of the United States of America. Um, so, uh, coming uh, Um and the idea here, guys, is let's change the course. Uh, right now, Joe Biden is down 24 points in the economy, 19 points on jobs when he actually did better on jobs than Trump did. He's down 13 points from where he was in 2020. He is not going to win. I am running. Yes, I am a break glass in case of emergency candidate. It should not have been me. It should have been someone else, but unfortunately it was not anyone else. Uh, and now there's
1: only four months left. We must change course. All right, folks, that's uh, Cenk Uger. He is the host of the Young Turks uh, on YouTube. He's been with MSNBC in the past, and he's running for president. Now, this guy is, uh, I don't want to say, I mean, I don't know him personally, but from what I've seen, he's um, very similar to AOC in his politics, right? All out crazy, our least favorite congresswoman from the Bronx and Queens. He's a real um, left-leaning progressive in his politics, and he's saying he's running, he's running against Joe Biden because Biden has done better than Trump on the economy but is polling um, poorly. I don't know if I even agree with that statement. Uh, I just like to look at my bank account and the 401k. <laughs> and usually I get a good indication of who's doing better on the economy. And I could tell you it's not Joe El Baboso Biden. But I want to know what you guys think. Uh, do you want the AOC, the male version of AOC, Cenk Uygur, uh progressive for president? Or do you want Joe El Baboso Biden or somebody else? Let's go to Debbie canton ohio w n i r debbie you're on with rich valdez welcome
6: yes, hi, thank you for taking my call my pleasure um uh, uh yes, um I guess you could call me a moderate person mm-hmm. um I've been listening to politics for a few years now since I got retired, and I had time to listen um- as, except for working when I was working all the time. Now I'm listening to things, and I really like Cenk Uger's, um approach to things. He calls out everybody. He calls them out. He calls out AOC. He calls out everybody. He is for the people. And I uh, can't subscribe to him because I don't have the money to do so, but hmm. I love listening to him, and he makes so much sense. And if you would listen to him, you would realize... You well, know, I that- do
1: every now and again, believe it or not. Um, whenever I can catch him, like, I also don't have a subscription to his program. But uh, I do see, you know, the short clips on YouTube and what. And for years, for years. I mean, I'm, like I like I mentioned earlier, uh, him and a co-host that he used to have, Anna Kasparian, uh, were trading barbs, uh, taking turns beating me up on their show once, I don't know, like 10 years ago. And, and I, so I listened to that, and I've listened since... And uh, I don't always agree with the guy, but incredibly entertaining, very passionate, great speaker. And um, he he has a way of conveying his ideas in a manner that seems like they make sense, even if they don't make sense. But my um, my my real interest in this is that even Democrats don't like Biden. And it's not just uh, RFK Jr. It's not just uh, Chank It's It's a lot of Democrats that I think are saying, you know what? I don't think we have a winner in Joe Biden. Now, I know you also wanted to say something on Jim Jordan. Go right ahead.
6: Oh, oh, yes, because I'm from Ohio. Um, I want to say that, um, um, yeah, Jim Jordan sucks. I'm sorry. Excuse me. He sucks big time. And I hope we don't get the
1: Speaker of the House. What don't Um, you like about Jim Jordan?
6: Well, first of all, I know he... Uh, ignored many times all the times of sexual assault he just like to let it go and he he don't deserve to be because if he could do that uh with all the wrestlers and all the sportsmen that went to him and said um that we had uh, a, a a a a fit guy in there
1: um, oh I see doing- the um you're talking about the people were saying that he knew about sexual assault that was going on with wrestlers while he was um, a wrestling coach or whatnot. I think he's addressed that a bunch of times, and there was never any proof that he did know. I think quite the contrary was the uh, the information that came out was that he just didn't know what was going on, and a lot of it happened while he wasn't even there. Uh, but I appreciate your thoughts. Debbie, thanks for listening to the show and for calling in. I have to take a quick pause here and pay some bills, but we'll be right back. 833-4-Valdez.
0: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. This is America. This is Night. This is Rich Valdez.
1: All right, America, welcome back, amigos. And again, the the list of folks, again, patriots, you know, people that are solid uh, from what I can see, some that have, you know, brought different issues to the floor before. But uh, some of the members who supported uh, the Judiciary Committee chair, Jim Jordan, for speaker, said they're going to continue to support him. <laughs> and some of them are Representative Nancy Mace from South Carolina, Representative Lauren Boebert from Colorado, Barry Moore from Alabama. Max Miller from Ohio. Lloyd Smucker from Pennsylvania. And Bob Good from Virginia. They said they're going to continue their support for Jim Jordan. Then you've got rep uh, Carlos Jimenez from Florida. He says that he plans to vote for McCarthy until McCarthy says, hey, don't vote for anybody but Scalise. Uh, Both Jordan and McCarthy are supporting Steve Scalise, which is interesting. And... Uh, There are also um, some undecided members like Mike Turner from Ohio, who uh, says that he's undecided. You've got Chip Roy in Texas says his primary concern is Scalise's successful effort to kill his proposed rule change, requiring that a Republican uh, speaker nominee to win unanimous support. Uh, So there's there's a few things there that are going on. I I can't, I can't imagine that this is going to take 15 rounds of voting. I hope it, that it doesn't. But if it does, we'll try and get you the scoop from Capitol Hill every single day to find out what's going on and why. Anyway, folks, keep it locked right here. We continue our conversations uh, straight ahead. I want to talk about how certain foods, processed foods, are more likely to cause depression in people who eat those foods. Don't move a muscle. I'm Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media, your liberty-loving Latino amigo. Happy to be here with you this Wednesday evening. And our phone number, if you want to join the conversation, feel free, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. And uh, there's a new report out, and it indicates the best and worst United States states for mental health. And uh, it's interesting to see that there's, you know, competition amongst the states, and the report comes from Solient Health. Uh, but what I find interesting is that really doesn't matter what state you're in, everybody's really focused on having good mental health, hopefully, right? And if you're not, then you probably should be. And if you're not, it means you're probably in good mental health, but you've probably dealt with somebody who's not in great mental health. And quite frankly, with the state of economic affairs in our country, the the global situation we have, the uh, murders from Hamas in in Israel and all the other crazy stuff that's going on in the world. I know that takes a toll on people because I talk to people every day and they call this program. And it's uh, just very, very interesting to me. And one of the things they pointed out that the suicide rate between the ages of 15 and 24, the unemployment rate, the violent crime rate, the disconnected youth rate and um, People actually exercising, uh, these things are all part of what's going on. And there's a higher frequency of these things, which is leading to people's mental health issues. However, there's other information out there that indicates that things that you put in your body, like food, in particular processed food, also have an effect on you and can lead to depression. And I I mean, we always knew that if you ate too many things that were unhealthy for you, you could become physically ill and that in and of itself could make you be obese and that could lead to depression and things like that. But now there's an actual link between processed food and depression and um, in particular, ultra processed food. So I want to understand this a little bit better uh, because... You know, I had not heard about this, but it makes all the sense in the world to me. Uh, with the founder and CEO of Kirk Cuman, his name is Ron Gorley, and he's with us now. Ron Gorley, welcome to the program, sir. Yeah, Rich, thanks
7: for having me on tonight.
1: It's my pleasure. So let's talk about this. What can you tell us about this uh, linkage between ultra processed food and depression?
7: Well, your introduction was awesome because it's it's not as simple as just that it's very complex um, but in the front end of the study that you're referring to, and it was done on women in healthcare care, uh, so it wasn't across you know men and women, but it was done through a period of time and they basically looked at um, how many servings right how many servings of ultra. Uh, processed foods, and really, I call those pretend foods because we'll have the conversation. The further you move away from natural um, foods, and you move to to ultra process or what I call pretend because of the chemicals and the structures, mm-hmm. what you're really doing is you're depriving your body of nutrition. So, without the nutrition, where your body can pull it to feed the cells. If you think about how important that is, the same cells that basically help run your whole body help run your brain and so you end up getting into situations where it's almost like you're starving the energy, the cell energy itself, yeah. and your body is basically goes into stress and depression being one of the modes of stress. But it, it gets worse than that because you look at, you said obesity, you look at diabetes, cardiovascular diseases, There's a there's a whole list of things that occur because of these foods and these foods are prevalent in our society, and that becomes part of the issue—not just our society, but worldwide. It's become a, a massive problem.
1: Sounds like it. And, and again, folks, if you're just tuning in, we're on with Ron Gorley. He's the founder and CEO of Curcumin, and
7: the study. Yes, Curcumin Pro. Oh, curcumin, a, curcumin Pro. But, um, but let's, well, let's. I just want to let the audience second. know the
1: study that we're talking about was published in the um, the medical journal JAMA and it it looked at like you said the eating habits and mental health status of 31,000 women between the ages of 42 and 62. And uh, I think that's uh, really interesting because it's a lot of people to study. So I would I would suspect that a study that large should be taken seriously, no?
7: Uh, very seriously, and it begs it begs a lot of other studies. I mean, when you really look at how it was conducted, I think that it really from it, you can spin off some additional studies that become even more informative on on some of the reasons, the behavioral reasons on why that occurred, right? So the study in itself is, it, it links because of nutrition and nutrition links us back to our food sourcing. And we've got to look back at why are these big food companies really pushing, and they really are pushing these ultra processed foods. They're, they're very inexpensive, they're high profit that extends the shelf life of the product on it, but really th- there's not a lot of nutrition. And what gets even worse in the depression side of it is we have an epidemic, not only in our country, but in multiple countries called non-alcohol fatty liver disease. And this is, this is a massive problem because these synthetic fats and these synthetic sugars, our bodies can't, our liver can't process that. And so they end up getting stored up in the liver. And that becomes a major issue for, it's in our children, it's it's all actually all through our society. And this is a, a topic that we've been addressing in our company and looking for solutions to how to begin to protect the liver itself, but actually how to get more cell energy back up into the body that's missing from the food.
1: So how do you go about that? And first, let's, I guess, look at the, some of the foods that are, uh, you know, the, the guilty culpr- culprits here. Um, What types of foods are, are, are people consuming that can lead to any of these problems that lead to depression, including fatty liver disease that you mentioned?
7: Well, look at processed food. I tell people, if you look at the ingredient listing on your product, and if you can't pronounce the names, if, you, if they're not in your spice cabinet or your pantry, you're eating an ultra-processed food because it's really synthesized. So if I, if I said to you, okay, if I go down to the meat market and I buy a whole muscle meat like a steak, right? I get nutrients out of that steak when I eat it. But if I go down and I buy a hot dog that's been ultra-processed, the nutrient value of that hot dog is far less. So therefore, I'm not only giving up nutrition, but I'm also getting chemicals added to it, which again, my body has to process. So potato chips, soft drinks become a major issue for us. Energy drinks become an issue because it's not just ultra processed foods. It's also ultra processed beverages. So UFDs are also a culprit in in this whole um, equation. So the further you get away from, let's say a drink. So spring water being on one end, a lot of nutrition for our body. Our body wants it to an energy drink, to a soft drink, we're getting into uh, situations where not only are they harmful to the body because their body can't process them correctly, but you're also changing the acidic value of the blood, which is also a problem. So. Again, anybody who's looking at a food and has a question about whether it's good or bad, there is a really interesting app that I found. It's Y-U-K-A, uh, food. You can put it on your phone. And literally, you can go and take a scan of the UPC code on any product. and It actually gives you a rating on that product with regards to whether it's good, bad, or excellent. And you know, if you want a quick down and dirty on you know, going through the uh, supermarket, you want to take a look at it. Uh, that's an interesting app. Um, So it makes it a little bit simpler for people that don't want to go down and try to read all the ingredient listings on a product. Um, But just to to go back one step, if you are really looking at foods, processed foods as you process it down the line, the more processed it becomes – is the worse it becomes for you only in the sense that your body's going to get very little nutrition. It has a high caloric uptake in your body. Unfortunately, we can't use those calories like we can use them in, let's say a natural based food. So, it, it is a food system that has been built, and worldwide now these companies are going across multiple countries with this ultra-processed food because it is more profitable for them. But it's carrying with it the list of diseases that come with our bodies trying to process those foods.
1: Wow. So it's not just hot dogs. You, uh, I think that you just gave us is really interesting. It's When you look at that label and you see this chemical, that chemical, blah, 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 a bunch of things you really don't know how to pronounce – um, this is something you shouldn't be eating and we should really be going with, uh, I guess, something homemade or something that's, you know, clearly from a, um, you know, a, I don't know, a mom and pop restaurant or something like that where, you know, they're using
7: better ingredients. Yeah. Here's a really simple rule for your listeners. If it comes from a plant, eat it. If it's made in a plant, question it. So in other words, it's pretty simple. If it's, if it's something that it is, it comes from nature and it's natural and everything else, absolutely. you know, Clean it, eat it. It's going to be very good for you. But if it's coming from a food plant, maybe outside of whole muscle meats, which are, are good for you, as soon as we begin processing it, the further we process it, the less value we get, and the more you're going down the road of what we consider disease, whether it's depression or like I talk about, the bigger one is non-alcohol fatty liver disease, which is absolutely a big issue for all of us because of these foods and because of our inability to process it. And a lot of this becomes, I've written an article recently for a magazine for American Indian um, Life, and it had to do with the fact that as our economy, this is another whole issue, but as our economy has become tighter on the food dollar, you think about, you know, we have less money now, you know, getting less goods. We what we do is we go into the grocery store and we buy these cheap foods because I mean they're less expensive, right? We got a higher caloric intake, but we have no value. So those frozen dinners and the other things that we're buying that we think, okay, well you know what? I'm getting at least I'm feeding my family. But the trade off for that same dollar becomes what it's doing and what it's doing to our bodies. And the big part is cellular health. And people don't really realize that how much our bodies depend on pulling nutrition from the foods we eat to be able to fuel the cells that run our bodies.
1: Wow. That's like a whole different headline for the segment, right? how the Biden economy is not only leading to a depression, but causing depression. Fascinating. I didn't Absolutely. look at it that way.
7: Actually, actually, that's a great way to look at it because it is causing, to your point, not only is it causing that because we're, we're going down the road, but behaviorally, uh, you mentioned early on in your segment when you introduced it, what happens when we get depressed? Our behavior becomes we start to go what? We start eating the potato chips and drinking sure. the, these 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 foods. And and it just it's a cycle and you know you got to get out of the cycle and it's not you know it's not just as easy as I'm going to quit which is why we always talk about from our corporate standpoint what we do is we build products that help to deal with these sugar loads help to deal with cellular energy because we know for a fact that you know you can't always just do that you you, you have to have options and those options actually have to work they have to be supplements that actually do get cellular energy. Um, not just something you put in and just get you know expensive urine coming out the other side. You actually have to have cellular <laughs> uptake on those. Um, and that's a, that's the sad part about a lot of nutritional supplements is that they are really expensive urine because they don't actually uh, uptake into the cells. They might get into your bloodstream, but then they just come out the other side because the cell doesn't take up the energy.
1: Well, folks, I want to get into that. I want to find out a little bit more about what you guys at Curcumin Pro do to make foods that are better for your cells because that's not typically how I eat, right? I don't go out and say, hey, that's really good for my cells, but maybe I should. So I want to learn more about it. Folks, we're on with Ron Gurley. He's the founder and CEO of Curcumin Pro. They're at curcuminpro.com. We're coming right back with him. Don't move a muscle.
0: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833 833- for Valdez. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. America at Night with Rich
1: Valdez. All right, folks, we're talking about processed foods and we're speaking with somebody who worked at companies like Hormel and Pepsi, spending the first part of his career working with these huge processed food companies. And now he's dedicated his life to educating people on the dangers of too much processed food. Ron Gurley is the CEO and founder of Human Pro. Ron Gurley, welcome back. I want to um, uh, get a, a sense from you um, in the few minutes we have remaining. Uh, what caused the, the switch for you? How did you go from working for these, these huge processed food companies to doing what you do now? <laughs>
7: That's a good story. Uh, Really what it was, was the consumer products companies uh, I started working for, which was a lot of great training and there were good companies to come up through. But I had a science head back from high school. I loved chemistry. I liked physics. And I really wanted to do something different than, you know, sugar and water in a can or processed foods. And so I kind of left corporate America and I started my journey into um, health sciences and environmental sciences
1: and you landed on com, and tell us what how do you create the product that you create now and how does that benefit the cell
7: um so the, the essence of it is people know what uh, turmeric is uh, you know it's a spice etc 3000 so, years ayurvedic medicine curcumin is a Extraction. So curcuminoids are molecules that come from turmeric. So turmeric only has about three and a half percent of it, are these super molecules that are anti-inflammatory, antioxidants, chelate-heavy metals. So you have to extract those out. And the problem with both turmeric and curcumin is they're virtually insoluble. So you're mostly water, we're water, men are 70%, women 60 65%. So unless something's soluble, it's very difficult to take it up in the cell. So although it had these wonderful qualities, we had to figure out how to get these really cool molecules to do the work that we want them to do and we ended up coming up with proprietary technologies where we took it and tucked it inside of a protein on one or inside of a cyclodextrin which is basically a starch molecule what we did was we increased solubility by 42 times we were able to get the basically the results that we wanted in clinical dosing effects of those qualities whether it's inflammatory reducing inflammatory reaction or uh, super antioxidants to take up, you know, basically reactive oxygen species, which are free radicals that we talk about. So these things that happen, these chemical reactions in our body, and for your listeners, if you put the word curcumin in your browser, you could put almost any disease you want right behind that, and you're going to see thousands and thousands of studies that already exist. And the reason they existed, because people are looking for a natural anti-inflammatory And, you know, we can't, if you're taking drugs, those anti-inflammatories react with your liver and your kidneys, et cetera, and cause problems over time. And if you had a natural one, then you could basically be able to take it daily um, to affect think of it this way if 98 percent of all disease starts with inflammation and it's true because every day you're alive you're aging and aging is one of the most inflammatory cell responses in the body so if you could put something in your body that every day was helping you deal with cell inflammation and it wasn't affecting you negatively like a synthetic molecule or a drug does that would be a huge win and so we focused in on figuring out how to do that how to get more of the benefit off of it. And that started the Curcumin Pro technologies and it enabled us to expand those technologies into different delivery systems to make it um, easier for people to take. Like we just came out with a chewable tablet that tastes like an orange creamsicle. So it's, you know, you don't have to just take a a pill anymore. You can have different ways of taking the product.
1: I'm sold. How do I get some and how do the listeners get it?
7: Yeah, if you go to um, CPRO, so shop. Now, that'll take you to our Curcumin Pro site because a lot of people have, a, you know, curcumin's a hard word. So cpro.shop. And then if they're looking at products, we have a cpro15 discount for your listeners on any product they want to purchase.
1: Nice. cpro15 at cpro.com. cproshop.com.
7: cpro.shop.
1: cpro.shop. Thank you for the correction. I appreciate it. Ron Gurley, thank you for being with us. You're a gentleman, a patriot and a scholar. Keep up the great work and Godspeed to you, sir. Folks, we're coming right back with another topic that's going to affect you. Don't miss it.
0: America at Night with Rich Valdez.
2: We have the highest share of working-age Americans in the workforce in 20 years. And it's no accident. It's Bidenomics. We're growing the economy from the middle out the bottom up, not the top down. And inflation is coming down at the same time. It's down 60% since last summer. Core inflation was just 2.2% over the past three months. And now we have the lowest inflation of any major economy in the world.
1: That is President Joe Biden, who I like to call Joe El Baboso Biden. And he's taken a victory lap, uh, I think it was on Friday, saying how great the jobs report was and inflation's coming down. The same inflation that he uh, caused, uh, it's coming down slower than it went up. and <laughs> And he's taken that victory lap. And I wanted to dig into the numbers a little bit because uh, the last time I saw Biden taking a victory lap, whether it was the party he threw at the White House to celebrate inflation going down when it was at a 40-year high, or him celebrating, you know, him not doing as bad as he did the prior month and chalking it up as a success, but I do want to get to to the bottom of these numbers, and I want to do that with John Carney. He's the economics editor at Breitbart News. John Carney, welcome to the program, sir. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. So when you hear the president um, take this victory lap, uh, is it one of those opportunities for us to give credit where credit's due, or is there more than meets the eye?
2: Well, so by my count, this is Biden's sixth or maybe seventh uh, victory lap, particularly against inflation. Every time inflation goes down a little bit, he tells us that it's all over. You know, we're going to get back down to the kind of inflation we had before he was elected. You know, this is great. He said some really weird things. I about a year ago, it was only up by an inch.
1: It's you know, huge. John while. Carney, uh, I'm going to put you on hold for a second because uh, your call's cutting in and out, and I want to make sure we have a solid connection with you. But um, the Biden administration is definitely right. <laughs> it, it, it's one of many, many, Victory laps that he's taken, and the uh, the purpose of this victory lap is that three hundred and thirty six thousand workers were on payroll in September. And that's according to the Department of Labor studies. Uh, excuse me, the Department of Labor statement on Friday. And what what I find interesting about this is that it's uh, better than many expected. But the last time we saw better than expected, when you, we dug in a little deeper, we found that a lot of them were part time jobs. People are still not back to full-time work. And, of course, those things are problematic. Now, the Fed has decided at its last meeting, this is according to a piece in Breitbart, that they're going to be holding off on raising rates in September. Let me know when we've got them back. And and because they're holding off on raising interest rates in September, a lot of people are thinking, well, that means it's going to come in October, November, or December uh, because You know, that's when everybody's saving and doing that early Christmas shopping. So prior to last Friday, the market pricing uh, was around a 20 percent chance of a hike at the very next meeting. Obviously, that's problematic. Now, in the preliminary report for August, the Department of Labor said that the economy added 187,000 jobs and unemployment rose to 3.8 percent. The change in employment for July was revised up by 79,000. And that's what we've seen throughout, right? Every time they take a victory lap, they come back and go, oh, we had to adjust the number up. So they took they took the victory lap for nothing. And uh, how much of a victory lap is a victory lap if it's fake phony and fraud? Anyway, uh, that's kind of why I want to get to the bottom of this. So I want to bring back our guest, uh, John Carney. He's the uh, economics editor at Breitbart News. John Carney, we left off with you explaining uh, about these phony victory laps that Biden likes to take.
2: Yeah, exactly. But Biden loves to take these victory laps in large part because we, you know, he is convinced. And I, I'm, I assume it's because his advisors give him really bad advice. But that uh-huh. we that every time inflation goes down, that it's just going to keep going down. Look what's happened in the if you look over the last four months. We came down a lot from where we were a year ago, where we had 9% inflation. Nobody thought that was going to be the challenge, getting away from 9%. If you can get down from 9%. It was always going to be a problem getting from 4 to 2 which is a right. big deal, right? Like two 4% is obviously, you know, everybody can do the math twice as much as 2% inflation. We were below 2% for a long time. People got adjusted to that. We're now at a place where... Inflation is hovering somewhere in the 3%. So that, and it's not coming down. There's no sign that inflation is on the downward trend. That's very going to be very troubling to the people at the Federal Reserve eventually. Right now, they're still very optimistic, just like they were in the beginning when they told us it was transitory. They're oh, once yeah. again convinced we're, we're, we're on the downward trend. But I, I'll tell you, I've been looking at these numbers very closely ever since inflation started to get out of control before that, really. And and I don't see any evidence of
1: it. Now, I know in the past, um, Joe Biden has said, hey, look, we're doing terrific. It's fantastic. And he's had these victory laps. And then, you know, the following month, the Department of Labor says, oh, we had to adjust last month's number. And they adjusted up and it turns out there wasn't much of, of a gain like he said it was. It was an error or this or that or Whatever the reasoning is that they adjust these numbers, but the employment gains were never the same. And uh, the, even the inflation numbers um, are just not always as, as um, accurate as uh, I'd like them to be. Um, is this another one of those situations? So what I will say is that the jobs number we got was very strong.
2: And they actually revised upward the two months before that. So I'll trust this. I think this is correct. We are adding a lot of jobs in America right now. And frankly, just, you know, anecdotally walking around, I see help wanted signs everywhere I go. Restaurants are still trying to hire people. There's still, you know, if you look around little shops and, you know, downtowns are, are trying to hire people. So I do think we're still adding a lot of jobs. That's not really the problem. And I think, uh, People want, you know, sort of expect it to be the problem. Right now, that's not the problem of the economy. The problem with the economy is that because of all of the stimulus we poured into it, both from the Fed and from Biden's American Rescue Plan, you know, trillions of dollars flowed into the economy, that is still flooding the economy with too much demand. People are still spending almost as if there's no tomorrow. And uh, and that is what is driving up inflation. So, our problem is really inflation. The jobs numbers, and I, I, I get it, a lot of people want to poke holes in them, but they look pretty solid to me. Well, that's good.
1: That's a good sign for, for America, it I is. would say. And I'm it is. Happy it's to great that.
2: that people have jobs. Right. It's great that people have jobs. It's great that we're giving people jobs. We're, we are actually drawing people into the workforce. Well, I actually love the fact that there are an expansion of what I will call good part-time jobs, meaning there, there's two categories of people who work part-time in America. There are people who want full-time jobs but can't find them. That's actually a very small amount and shrinking right now. And That's there's good. people who yeah, – which is you know great. And there's people who don't want full-time jobs but want part-time jobs, maybe because they want to spend more time with their children. Maybe because they have other projects they're engaged in. That number is going up, which is actually a positive indicator for the economy because it means there's a lot of demand for work and there's people who are willing to do work part time, but not necessarily, you know, they don't want a full time job. Uh, the, The government, you know, calls these crazy names like people who work part time for non economic reasons. Frankly, I've never met somebody who worked for a non-economic reason. We all work
5: for (laughs)
2: for economic reasons. So that's confusing. But what they mean is people who – the reason why they're working part-time is not because they couldn't find full-time work, but because they had something else going
5: on.
1: With respect to the labor shortage we hear so much about, I'd like to get your thoughts on that. And I'm going to give the audience the number in case they want to pick your brain a little bit. 833-482-5337 is the phone number. Eight three three four 4 valdes We're on uh, the topic of the economy. And we're coming right back with John Carney, the economics editor at Breitbart News. And your calls. Don't move a muscle.
0: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now. 833 833- for Valdez. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S.
1: All right, amigos, welcome back. We're discussing the economy, in particular, uh, the labor shortage we've been hearing about. And we're doing that with John Carney. He's the economics editor at Breitbart News. John Carney, for months, probably the last year or so, I've been hearing a lot about a labor shortage and there's not enough people. And this is why some people uh, try to make the, uh, the case that we need illegal immigration and whatnot. Um, Is the labor shortage that we have still as detrimental as it was once perceived to be, i.e., I guess, um, during and right after COVID?
2: No, definitely not. We had a lot of people who were were not comfortable coming back to work immediately after the pandemic um, or, frankly, were looking for other opportunities rather than go back to their old jobs. So what was described as a labor shortage, I actually think of as a labor transition. You had a lot of people who worked in jobs uh, that maybe weren't their life plans. Maybe it was you know working in a grocery store or working as a waitress. They had other plans they wanted to do. When they were thrown out of those jobs, frankly, because of lockdowns, they went and pers- perhaps in advance of what they normally would have done, pursued what their life dream was. So this left a gap because there wasn't somebody to fill in. So I don't think there ever was a genuine labor shortage. There were some people who weren't in the workforce for a little while. Mainly what this was was a story of an early transition a lot of people made from a kind of job that they were doing but maybe didn't love into a job that they really wanted to do because they were forced by COVID out of the job they didn't really love. The other thing I'll say is, in a bigger picture, labor shortages are actually pretty good for the country. We've gone through these before. The generation that grew up in the 1950s was actually facing a labor shortage. There weren't a lot of young people in 1950. So if you got a job in 1950, you actually did very well. By the time you were 30, you were 90% 90% of people who were born in the nineteen, early, you know, mid 40s and so came of age in the 50s, 90% of them were earning more than their uh, parents had earned at, at, by the time they were age 30. So in other words, this is a self-correcting problem. When you have a lot of people who, when you have a labor shortage, that means people earn more money, which means they start families earlier which means they have more children, which creates more people to work. So you don't wanna try to short circuit the natural cycle of a labor shortage by bringing in more people. That actually is highly destructive to what I would call the natural cycle of the economy.
1: Wow, good good point. Do you see us getting to a point where the economy stabilizes, levels off, starts to level up, where, Maybe interest rates come back down to maybe where they were. And I only ask, you know, I shoot the breeze on the weekends with my friends. I go places and everybody talks about their one and a half and two percent mortgages <laughs> and how, you know, go, well, we'll never see those again. And I tend to believe that we'll never see those again. What are your thoughts?
2: I don't think we'll see them absent a major catastrophe. We went through a long period where interest rates fell for a very long time. I think we have exited that period. We are now going to have higher interest rates for quite a long time. Uh, so I, I don't anticipate that we're going to get back down to where people will have you know two percent, three percent mortgages. But I, you know that doesn't mean I, I actually think in the near term we're headed higher. Mortgages are going to go above eight percent, maybe up to nine. We may see ten percent mortgages if the Fed doesn't act quickly enough to get rid of inflation. Right now, they're kind of in this mode where they think they won. The problem with that is that when you don't act quickly enough, it actually makes the problem worse. That's why inflation got so bad in the first place. So we may end up with higher mortgages before they go lower. I don't think we're we're gonna be stuck above 8%, but I don't think we're gonna get below 4% for a long time. Again, absent some sort of economic catastrophe that frankly, won't be in any, you know, you you won't, if we, to put it another way, if we get below 4% on mortgages again, I think people will be very unhappy about a lot of other things going on in the economy, and they won't be that psyched about, you know, being able to get a cheap mortgage.
1: Now, John Carney, what are your thoughts with respect to how this um, perceived or expected increase in mortgage uh, interest rates and whatnot How is that going to affect the economy? And I want you to mull that over for a second and give us the response on the other side. Folks, we're on with John Carney, Breitbart News Economics Editor, coming right back.
0: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez.
1: With Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. We're on with John Carney. He's the uh, economics editor at Breitbart News. John Carney, um, my my question is: With interest rates going up, will this cause uh, a chill in the housing market, or will institutional investors just pick up the slack that everybody else who wants to have a second home or an investment property? Uh, the, the you know that gap that they're leaving for not wanting to pay more money or not being able to pay more money, and will it continue? What are your thoughts?
2: The institution investors are actually really freaked out right now because they thought there was going to be a huge opportunity because the and a very normal expectation was going to be higher interest rates would hurt home prices, giving people with a bunch of cash on hand the opportunity to buy homes instead something very strange and unexpected has happened i put it this way in the breitbart business digest which people can go to our website you can subscribe to it for free comes out every day i said the housing market has gone berserk (laughs) and that's not a technical economic term but what i mean (laughs) by that is that uh we because people don't want to trade out of their current mortgages there's actually a housing shortage. So if you have a 3% mortgage and you're thinking about moving, even downsizing your home, you may actually pay more for a smaller home on a monthly basis because you're trading out of a 3% mortgage into an 8% mortgage. So people are locked in their homes, more or less, and mm-hmm. nobody wants to sell. That has driven prices up, uh, which is you know, not what people expect when interest rates are rising. I think we're going to continue to see that for a while. That will have bad non-housing economic effects because it makes it harder for people to move. If you have a better job opportunity somewhere, you might be hesitant to take that job. You you don't want to move because, again, you have to give up your 3% mortgage to get an 8% mortgage. So I think there's going to be bad economic consequences of this. But I don't think the housing market falls apart based on this because so many people are locked into very low mortgages. And unless unemployment goes up, which makes people unable to pay their mortgages, they're just gonna sit tight, which will keep the housing supply very tight and uh, prices will probably keep increasing, believe it or not. Mm -hmm.
1: Now, John Carney, let everybody know one more time how they can uh, follow your work at Breitbart.
2: Absolutely. So first of all, you can look at me up on Twitter. I'm at Carney, C-A-R-N-E-Y. But mostly, subscribe to the Breitbart Business Digest. Hit your email every day right around 4 to 5 o'clock, and it'll tell you everything you need to know about the economy.
1: Outstanding. John Carney, thanks for being with us. Make sure you give him a follow. Sir, you're a gentleman, a scholar, and a patriot, and I appreciate you. Folks, straight ahead, it's Open Phone America, 833-482-5337, 833-4-Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Your liberty-loving Latino amigo, happy to be here with you this Wednesday night. Our phone number is 833-482-5337, 8334-VALDEZ. And uh, earlier I mentioned that the death toll of U.S. citizens murdered by Hamas is now up to 22 Americans murdered by Hamas. And uh, President Biden has admitted and confirmed that he has seen images of children being beheaded. Now, he did not actually see the uh, confirmed pictures, uh, but the White House did clarify. Listen to this. Uh, Earlier today, President Biden said that he had seen, quote, confirmed pictures of terrorists beheading beheading, uh, children, In southern Israel, following reports that up to 40 babies were butchered over the weekend near the Hamas uh, Gaza, the Hamas ruled Gaza Strip. Excuse me. But the White House later walked back their commander in chief's claim, uh, quote, I never really thought that I would see and have confirmed pictures of terrorists beheading children. I never thought I'd ever. Anyway, Biden told leaders of Jewish groups at the White House. But neither the president nor U.S. officials have seen images or independently confirmed reports of beheaded children, a White House spokesperson later claimed, according to The Washington Post. The White House says that Biden based his remark on claims made by a spokesman for Israel's prime minister and media reports coming from um, Israel. The sickening reports, uh, obviously we talked about them yesterday, uh, from the Israeli military and journalists who took tours of those areas that were traveling uh, alongside the uh, military. <clears throat> we also spoke with um, th- um, the journalist last night, uh, Carolyn Glick, who was with Jewish, Jewish News uh, Syndicate, excuse me, I keep mispronouncing that one, um, calling them Jewish News Service, Jewish News Syndicate, JNS, and she also confirmed that that happened. And one of the uh, IDF commanders was on the record as well. Uh, but that was Biden saying he'd confirmed it and seen it, never saw it, and just said he did. I mean, Biden says a lot of these things, right, where he says, well, you know, I was there, I was there, I marched with Dr. King. Well, you know, I was uh, raised by the Puerto Ricans. Well, you know, I am, um, uh, uh, you, you ain't black. You know, I mean, he comes up with all sorts of things. That's just how Joe Biden does his thing. But uh, the reality is uh, the, the story, in so much as any of us know it, know that it actually happened. Um, Yossi Landau is an official with Israel's Volunteer Civilian Emergency Response Organization, Zaka, and um, confirmed to CBS News that he personally saw the bodies of children and babies who were beheaded. And and there are videos, not gruesome ones. Uh, I wouldn't have watched them anyway. That, that stuff freaks me out. But absolutely um, disgusting and sickening. And earlier in our program tonight Congresswoman Beth Van Dyne uh, alluded to that as well. So That's uh, interesting there. I also want to um, share a clip of audio with you because there's a lot of talk about the squad. AOC Rashida Tlaib. What's the other one? Ilhan Omar. And uh, forgive me, what is... um, I can't remember the the woman with the haircut just like mine. Anybody in the control room? Anybody remember her name? Fourth squad member. You look it up and let me know. But uh, Representative Tlaib, she avoids uh, questions on Capitol Hill today. Saying that, you know, um, Ayanna Presley, thank you, Mister Hinton. Ayanna Presley and um, Talib was uh, noticeably silent when confronted about Hamas cutting off babies' heads. She didn't have a lot to say, and I'm glad she didn't double down and say they have to do what they have to do because you know I, I don't condone don't condone the murder of small children. However, uh, you know people were getting their property encroached on and this, that, and the other, because I've been hearing this stuff for the last two days and people just want to continually tell me that somehow it's okay because somebody stole their house or there are settlers on their land and they're squatting and you name it, every excuse you can come up with where in the same sentence, well, it's not okay to kill babies, but they are doing X, Y, and Z. Which one is it, right? Because if somebody tries to you know, encroach on my property line, uh, I'm not going to go behead their children. I I can guarantee you that. That's the, the, the only people who do that is when somebody's done that to you. Or if you're an absolute crazy, sicko terrorist. And I think that's uh, kind of where we are. But uh, listen to uh, Representative uh, Talib, as uh, the great one Mark Levin says. Uh, listen to this. this terrorists have um, cut off
0: babies' heads and burned children alive. Do you support Israel's rights to defend themselves against this neutrality? We're just going to go through here. You can't comment about Hamas terrorists chopping off baby heads. Congresswoman, do you have a
5: comment on Hamas terrorists chopping off baby heads? You have nothing to say about Hamas terrorists. All
1: right. So, so again, pets. that is uh, Representative Talib saying nothing <laughs> for uh, for the first time. I've I've seen a clip of her where she says nothing. And, Again, I, I'm not making light of the uh, severity of the situation, just making light of Congresswoman Tlaib uh, not doubling down. And, and I, honestly, I'm glad. I'm glad that they've been sensitive. I'm glad that she acknowledged that she was mourning the deaths of both the Palestinians and the Israelis. Uh, AOC has also decided to take the high road. God bless them for doing it. I thought that, that nothing would stop them from spewing their hatred. But here we are, right? Here we are where there's even conflict at Harvard, where they're saying, hey, we may have gone too far to the left embracing terrorists. Thank God somebody's waking up and smelling the coffee. Anyway, uh, let's go to your calls, 8334-VALDEZ. Let's go to Matt. Matt is always calling us from uh, a bit from Morehead City, North Carolina. Not right there, but in an undisclosed location, not too far away. WTKF, Matt, go right ahead.
8: Yes, sir, Rich. How are you doing?
1: Wonderful, thanks.
8: Uh, you can hear me okay?
1: Yeah, loud and clear. You sound great.
8: Very good. Um, 80 miles north, by the way. Anyway. 80 miles north. <laughs> uh, Rashida, yes, we're hitting a straight
1: line.
8: to leave is disgusting to me, disgusting excuse for a con- congresswoman, what I heard earlier, and even just now on your show. And also, one more quick point. Hunter Biden getting off scot-free on that handgun charge is also disgusting, but in a different way. What are you, what's your opinion, sir?
1: Well, first, I want to know, why Why don't you like Rashida Tlaib? Because you uh, just didn't comment
8: on babies being slaughtered in Israel.
1: Yeah. Yeah, listen, I'm not mad at you for that. <laughs> I agree. If If you can't you. turn around and say, I think it's disgusting, I don't care who you are. Nobody should be cutting off the heads of infants because you're mad at somebody over a real estate dispute, uh, um, uh, ownership rights, wh- whatever the gripe seems to be. Y- you don't do that. It's just not a thing. And uh, I'm sure she thinks she's taken the high road. And I'm glad that they are taking someone of the high road. But you're right. When you can't condone it, when you can't sit there and say, that is dead wrong, I don't care where you're from. I really don't care. This is an uh, unlosable argument for anybody taking it. If you're taking the position of defending small babies, even big babies, whatever, any baby, when you're talking about little kids cutting their heads off and burning them alive, if you can defend that, you have no business being alive. That's my thought. People who who think that that's okay shouldn't exist. Call me crazy. Call me whatever you want. Now, Hunter Biden, listen, I've never believed anything is going to happen to Hunter Biden. Every now and again, I feel like he might get a little perp walk, He might get, um, you know, some negative press, which would actually only help Biden because he could say, look, when I was president, my son, you know, God love him. He's the smartest guy I know, you know, and say something stupid. But we held him accountable. He got in trouble and he paid his price. He paid his debt to society. I love that kid. You know, uh, and look, I'm not mad at Biden for loving his kids. I'm just saying I I feel like. he was never going to get in trouble. If anything, it was always going to be a public slap on the wrist. And, uh, you know, once they're out of the limelight, no, nothing was going to happen. I, I, whether it was Biden doing a commutation or a um, a pardon, either way, I just didn't see it happening. And here it's clear. They've hired every last one of the people that, that um, Biden has kind of handpicked over the years in that district. Uh, he's taken the... Um, the United States attorney for Delaware and made him the special counsel on the investigation, giving him more protection. So it it doesn't seem like they ever had any real intention to hold him uh, accountable. Just didn't seem so. Yeah, that's what I think. I think it's exactly what, what I've expected. We're not going to see much coming out of that case, Matt. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. But I appreciate your call, brother. Uh, 80 miles north of Moorhead city, North Carolina. 80 miles in a straight line, by the way. WTKF. Matt, thanks for the call. I always appreciate it. Folks, we get to the rest of your calls and more straight ahead from Brooklyn, New York, Michigan, Cumberland, Maryland, and more. Calling in now, 833-482-5337, 833-4valdez.
0: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833 833- for Valdez. That's 833 482 5337. 833 for Valdez. That's Valdez with an S.
4: Well, Mr. Valdez, you
2: have one of the greatest shows that radio's ever
0: had. America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an
1: S. All right, America, welcome back. We continue with your calls and more straight ahead. I just wanted to bring up this point here because I I meant to mention it. Uh, Let me see here. Listen to this. These are the top 10 best states for mental health, according to a a new study from Solient Health, uh, which is a um, healthcare staffing company in Atlanta. Check this out. Number 10, Utah. Number 9, North Dakota. Number 8, Colorado. Number 7, Vermont. Listen to this. Number 6, New Jersey. That's got to be a mistake. (laughs) Rhode Island, number five. Number four, Minnesota. Number three, Massachusetts. Number two, Connecticut. And I'm going to leave number one as a cliffhanger because I want to see if you guys can guess. Let's go to the phones. 833-4-VALDES. 833-4-VALDES. Let's go to Katie calling us from Topeka, Kansas. K-M-A-J. Go right ahead.
3: Hi, Valdette. It's so nice to call you. Um Thank you. I just had a question of how—it's such a horrible topic talking about Hamas and Israel, obviously, but listening to Levin after work this evening, he brought up a point that apparently Egypt had notified Israel three days prior to them infiltrating that they said that they were going to infiltrate. And apparently Egypt never told us.
5: Ah, Why?
3: It, it doesn't make much sense, obviously. And maybe it's just something else that Biden, you know, knows, but doesn't know. Or maybe they're just, again, lying to us.
1: Who knows? Yeah, Good point. Uh, I really do believe. <clears throat> I don't think Joe Biden's stupid. I think he's really good at playing stupid. And I think he really doesn't care. So in a situation like that... You know, Mr. President, there's intelligence. Who cares? You know, I, I just don't think he cares. I don't, if there isn't a way for him to make money on the deal or gain some political power, I just don't think he's of interest. I don't think he, he really cares at all. And, and I think that's really the, the, the crux of it. And he's got people that surround him that pump him with information with the goal of gaining more political power. And that's it. It's never really about doing the job. Honestly, I'd say this guy, Admiral John Kirby, who I criticize on a pretty regular basis when we hear clips of audio. I can tell you that to me, he sounds like he wants to do his job and he can't because he knows so much of the uh, secrets of what are going on. And he just, you know, has to always provide damage control. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if John Kirby said, look, you know, congratulations to President Biden. Should he run again? But uh, I'm not sticking around. And maybe he will, you know, maybe because he feels he needs to be there to provide whatever expertise he provides. But ultimately, um, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, why didn't the United States know? Why aren't we plugged in? Why aren't we doing a better job? Yeah, we should. And and uh, quite frankly, for our own benefit, not for theirs. If you know that X, Y, and Z is coming after Israel, then it's probably a good idea to start um, making sure that we're okay here on our home front. Otherwise, we could end up taking a loss. So, thank you, Katie, for your call. I'm glad you listened to the great one, Mark Levin, one of my mentors, a good friend. And I appreciate your call. You're welcome to call back anytime. Always uh, happy to talk to our friends in Topeka, Kansas on KMAJ. Let us continue. Let's go to Brooklyn, New York, listening on WFAS Online. Let's go to Alex. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead.
4: Hey Richard, thanks for taking the call. By the way, uh, from one of those top ten states. Don't tell me New York is the tenth. Uh, if that's one of the top ten, I wanted you to guess. German I forgot MSL. to ask Katie.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, New York is not <laughs> number project. one. Thank God.
4: Oh, oh, that's good. That is so good. It would be a big problem if you. <laughs> It'd be <laughs> A mean, big look, lie. Look, see on the streets. Oh, <laughs> uh, for sure. Right. That for sure. Um, uh, now she also brought up Egypt. Uh, you know, informing Israel, or is that's what Egypt is claiming? I don't know if I trust Egypt. They're not the best friends of Israel, right? They wouldn't. uh, This could be just a a way of trying to make Israel look bad, like they wanted this attack to happen, and they Mm -hmm. got that information, but they ignored it. But uh, you never know, and you never know. But uh, you, you mentioned you have people that are saying that it's terrible what happened to the Israelis, but th- you know this happened because the Israelis are treating the Palestinians um, unfairly. And I think that is so untrue. You look at Hamas, they're screaming death to the Israelis, death to the sure. Jews, and death to America. Why are they screaming death to America? The Americans, what do they do to them in terms of taking their land? Nothing. It's because uh, anybody that's not a part of their religion needs to be killed, in their opinion. And you look at Israel gave them Gaza right in 2005. They immediately send missiles instead of saying, "Hey, thanks for giving us something." So it's not about the territory; it's about the hatred that they have for the Jews over there. And um, I was listening to Cornell West, who had a debate with Alan Dershowitz and Hannity a couple of hours ago uh, before your show began and and he was comparing what Hamas did to the Israelis to what Israel's doing to the Palestinians in Gaza. And, and I find that so despicable, even though I, I feel bad for the Palestinians, the innocent civilians that are dying sure. in Gaza because Absolutely. Israel's defending itself. But to say that Israel shouldn't be able to defend itself when they were attacked for no reason, right? They weren't—Israel is telling the Palestinians in Gaza, we're going to attack this building, get out of here, Um, and and Hamas isn't allowing them out there. So really, the blame should go on Hamas. Um, But Hamas, they didn't warn Israel. They just wanted to kill people, and Israel should have a right to defend itself 100%. Um, And, you know, if people like Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, cared about the people, uh, her, their brothers and sisters in Gaza, then they would want Hamas obliterated so that these situations don't happen. And and I think people like Cornell West are responsible for why Hamas is putting these innocent civilians in buildings mm-hmm. because they want the perception to to be used by Cornell West as something to attack Israel with. Right. right.
1: They want to they say, hey, look, we were here in a hospital and they blew us up with little kids in the building. These guys are monsters. I know they've been playing this game for a long time, Alex. Thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Folks, we're coming right back to your calls. 833-4-VALDEZ. It's Open Phone America. Don't move a muscle. I'm Rich Valdez.
0: 833-4-Valdez. That's Valdez with
8: an S. There does seem to be, look, we've, we've spent a lot of time in the, during the Trump years looking at anti-Semitism on the right. This does, these last few days have been a real uh, eye-opening period for a lot of people, a lot of Democrats, a lot of progressives, in terms of anti-Semitism on the left. A lot of people who seem more shocked at dehumanizing language Uh, used by world leaders to describe Hamas than what Hamas actually perpetrated on Saturday.
1: Look at that. That's twice in two months that Jake Tapper is getting it right. I don't know if he's trying to stick around, if he's actually waking up, if um, the spell is wearing off. Uh, I can tell you, I've been seeing this stuff for a long time. (laughs) And again, I'm not trying to laugh at anything. This is a very severe situation, but for Jake Tapper... Uh, on CNN to say it seems like there's anti-Semitism coming from the left. Hold on a second. In 2018, uh, AOC was talking about the Israeli occupation and blah, 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 and, and Rashida Talib was running for office and getting locked up in her state capital. And, uh, I mean, just the things that have been coming from the left for a very long time, a very long time. Uh, I'm glad he's jumping on board or he's deciding to sing a new tune for whatever his motivation is. Uh, But, yes, the reality is, sure, there are Nazis that say that they're radical right wingers. Sure, there are. Is it a massive problem? Not as far as I can see. Uh, But they're out there. There's some nut jobs out there. But politically speaking, when you can pretty much grab anybody that's a member of the Progressive Caucus in Congress and ask them if if they support the state of Israel, who's an ally of the United States, I tell you, almost every member of that progressive caucus in the House of Representatives is likely um, somebody that's very critical of the Jews, and that's putting it mildly. But that's exactly what's going on. And uh, again, I'm good. I'm I'm good. I'm good on him, and I'm happy to see people like Jake Tapper and others just at least considering it, even if it's for TV, even if it's not even that real. I'm glad that it's happening because people are watching those conversations and people need to see that that things are what they are. We can't just sit here and pretend that that's not happening. Right. That would be insane. Uh, Let's go to Paul Zanesville, Ohio. W.H.I.Z. Paul, you're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead.
8: Hey, good evening, Rich. You know, Rich, my grandfather told me a long time ago that these people are different. You know, they're butchers. Um, I don't know of anybody that you know wants to pray to a god that would condone cutting babies' heads off. Or well, I don't know, you know uh, let me, um, Paul.
1: Let me just say I don't think that that it's Muslims in general that are cutting babies' heads off, and I don't think that's what you're saying either. But when you talk about Hamas and these terror groups, Hezbollah and the rest of them uh, that prostitute Islam as a religion, and you know what they call them, radical Islamists. Uh, because they're using terrorism to advance, or they're using religion to advance their terrorism, uh, yeah, these people are savages. And uh, and any, quite frankly, any religion, if anybody came to me and said, you know, in the name of abortion, I'm a pro-lifer, we're going to start killing everybody if you have abortions, that's insanity, right? So I wouldn't say that, that that represents everybody, but in this case, those that represent Hamas, sick, sick people. Go right ahead.
8: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And and just and just like the Taliban, you know, um, there there are these people out out here, you know, that um, um, they do not represent what I feel as a Christian um, or or my values in life, you know, and for them to just attack the Israelis, they say it's because they want their land or so forth. But it's also religion, you know. And I, I, I and my point is, I just can't see that you know, the, the connection between killing people and war um, for your religion and what you think is right. You know, why can't Joe Biden call up somebody? And this How also has to do with, like, uh, over there in Ukraine and so forth. Be a diplomat, Mr. Um, Biden. Um, mm-hmm. You know, call these people up. Let's do some things that uh, are, are going to try to take care of this. I see no action from mr joe boboso Biden, mm-hmm. you know um I just wish that um our administration and then earlier you was talking about um you know uh uh oh crap, now I'm going to have a brain uh aneurysm you um, <laughs> was talking
1: yeah, take it easy, you're good uh,
8: well uh, yeah, when you was talking to the the lady beth the 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 Congress oh lady
1: congresswoman beth. beth Van dyne,
8: yeah, when you um Oh, crap. I did have a brain aneurysm. But, um, <laughs> you know, I just – uh, when we were talking about um, Jordan – yeah, there we go. I got it back. Oh, yeah, for the speaker's um, for the, the speaker. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, people, let's just get this over with, not 15 sessions. Do what's right for the American people, man. You know, I'm sick of it. You know, I'm tired of these government officials fighting over everything. You know, and I have one more thing to say if I could. Sure, i go ahead. Joe Biden would with- – yeah, I wish Joe Biden—he's depleted our oil reserves, you know, our strategic Terrible. reserves. Yes, he's also—I um, uh, uh, don't know how much money and uh, weapons he's given to Ukraine, but now um, he's sending weapons to um, uh, Israel. You know, I think he's depleting our military, and, you know, he, he he's against fos- fossil fuels, and, you know, uh, he's just making America weaker and weaker, and it's these kind of things— with an open border, that can happen right here. You can't tell yeah. me there's no sleeper cells in the United States of America with all these illegals coming in. I have nothing against somebody coming here to want to work and, and you know and better themselves. But Joe Biden's just opened up a whole plethora of things that is just crazy in this world. You know, this man he he needs to be replaced. And I, I my my Democratic choice may be oh man, that's a hard one. I don't even have one yet, but I know who I want for the Republican. <laughs> it's Donald Trump, you know. Uh, I don't see anybody uh, uh, beating him or doing anything like that because there's a lot of Trump supporters out there, I guarantee you. But um, yeah. I-, I appreciate you listening to me and uh, yeah. let me vent a little bit because I get a little upset. because
1: No, I, that's fine, I, Paul. I you you should. Everybody yeah. is, I think, a little righteously indignant right now. Uh, two questions I have for you, Paul. Uh, the first of which is, um, do you think that, that people who are kind of anti-Trump are now saying, man, I really miss Trump? Paul, uh, did we lose you? Yeah,
8: okay. there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of, no, no, no. I had to disprocess it a second. Yeah, sure. no, there's, there's so many, um, that, that are Trump supporters that don't want to show it. I guarantee it's going to show up in the polls, you know? When the time comes, um, yeah. but the reason was because everybody and their neighbor who was not white said Trump's a racist. I, I'm not all of them. I'm sorry, I said that wrong. You know, a lot of people supported Trump of all races and everything, but you know they, the, people were afraid to support Trump. But I tell you what, I'm 100 percent Trump. You know. Um, so what's your second question?
1: Well, I'm going to follow up on that one. Do you think that? Hamas would have launched this massive attack if Trump was in office. Do you think it would have mattered?
8: No, never. And it wouldn't have happened with Ukraine either. Um, Chinese wouldn't the China you know wouldn't be so aggressive as they are right now, huh? Why not? Well, because Trump was a diplomat. You know, he he knew how to talk to people. Joe Biden doesn't have that skill. You know, hey man, I got hairy legs, like you say. You know. If you're black, you know, whatever. It's just, uh, he has nobody behind him either. All I hear from Kareem Pierre, what's her last name, Jerome? Kareem Jean-Pierre. She just, yeah, she skirts everything. She does not come to the facts, just like Joe Biden. You know, they're they're making America weak, and that's my opinion. You know, and the borders are, you know, close them up. What's this
1: 20 miles
8: on the border (laughs) going to?
1: (laughs) I agree with you on that one. Hey, I'll take the 20 miles. Uh, My second question for you was, Uh, I wanted to get your take. What do you think is the number one state in America for the best mental health
8: Mm, for the best mental health? Wow. Okay. Certainly wouldn't be California. So let's go, let's go down. Um, we'll try North Carolina, South Carolina.
1: All right. I'm going to put that in the hat. I'm going to give you the answer. Uh, once we, uh, in the next segment, Paul in Zanesville, Ohio, WHIZ. Thanks for the call, brother. Always appreciate the conversation. Thank you so much. And uh, we're going to pause right here, come back to your calls. 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337.
0: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833 482 Five three three seven eight three three four Valdes. That's
2: Valdes with an S. I want to listen (laughs) to you, Rich, all the time.
0: America night with rich valdez call now 833-4 valdez that's 833-482-5337 833-4 valdez that's valdez with an s
1: all right america welcome back and earlier i left you on a cliffhanger about what the number one state in the country is for mental health uh, according to uh, the latest report from solient health And we're going to get to that in a moment. First, I want to check in with Kim and get her dibs on who she believes or which state she believes is number one, as well as her comments on what's going on in America at night. Kim Shields, Michigan, KDKA. Go right ahead.
9: Hi, Rich. I'm going to guess for the most or the best mental health, um, maybe Florida. That wasn't mentioned, was it?
1: No, Florida wasn't on the list at all.
9: There's one left. Uh, for I would think they would have pretty good mental health. They have sun. I don't like the hot weather, but they have nice weather, except for the hurricanes. I forgot about that. But yeah. anyway, um, what I called about is sure. um, I, I don't think what was done to the Israeli people was terrorism, torture beheadings, uh, rapes, kidnappings. Um, Israel doesn't owe the, the people of the Gaza, the 2 million or so people that, that live there, they don't owe them any warnings. That's all that's out the window. What was done on Saturday? Um, I think no more warnings. If a missile comes, if, if, if the ter- if the Hamas terrorists or Hezbollah, whoever was, it might have been, a couple groups behind it, if they wheel in a rocket launcher to a 15-story building and take it up to the roof and start, you know, launching missiles into Israel, they get what they get. Wherever those missiles are coming from, I think Israel's army needs to um, fire right back where they came from and if those people are smart in those hospitals or buildings when they see the terrorists come in with the rocket launchers they better head out en masse and quick knowing that their building is going to be toppled and um and the tunnels are another i think they have to completely destroy the gaza strip then they have to go in with bulldozers remove all the debris those tunnels it's going to be harder getting to those because some of them are as much as 80 feet below ground. But mm-hmm. they have to go in and see if anyone are hiding in there, if any of the hostages are taken down into the massive tunnel system under Gaza. But, um, no, they got nothing coming in Gaza. They, they shimmied up to the terrorists. They allowed them into their buildings. You know, they, they got drastic actions deserve drastic measures and they don't get any more courtesies what do you think
1: listen i'm i'm with you on this one i think that they have to take a very um uh both a surgical approach and a sledgehammer approach at the same time you don't you want to always minimize casualties nobody wants to go after the innocent in a conflict like this and clearly not every person in in gaza is responsible for what happened but the terrorists definitely are so i think they have to have you know no mercy in going after these people because these people had no mercy in cutting off the heads of small children raping teenage girls kidnapping women etc that's just stuff you don't do and when you do that to people tempers are going to flare and people are going to come at you hard and fast and i think they're feeling that uh and i agree with you that there's At some point, if I see somebody running down the street, running away from the cops, and I go, hey, hide out over here, you know, I get what's coming to me for aiding and abetting a criminal. Now, I realize there are people that look at uh, Hamas as uh, freedom fighters and as, you know, the best thing since sliced bread. I can't agree. Uh, It's a hard, it's a hard pass for me. I don't think they're doing anything of benefit or value. And. That's where I am. So I think you, know, you, you can't go killing everybody and you can't go eye for an eye because they killed 40 of your babies, you're going to kill 40 of theirs. Uh, I just don't believe that we can do that in a situation like this because then we are them, right? We're not any, any above, uh, above any form of reproach. Um, so that's that part. Uh, the, the other part of it is we have to hit them hard and often and fast. Uh, while being as surgical as we can, while being as precise as we can. You know, again, just to, uh, to take a page from Trump's playbook, one of the things that Trump did during his administration, he called out little rocket man and called him out uh, for for a meeting and and allayed uh, a lot of the uh, attention there. Uh, in the same way, <clears throat> I think that, um, at, you know, he took out Soleimani, right, General Soleimani. Uh, I think, you know, Israel should consider an approach like that, taking out the highest person they can uh, and, and making a very um, public pronouncement saying, look, we've taken out your top guy. Reconsider. Sometimes that's all it takes for them to, to regroup and figure out the next way they're going to try and take over the world. But until then, you can slow things down and minimize killing. I don't know if that's going to work or not, but I think it's worth a try. Anyway, Kim, I appreciate it. And folks, um, the answer to the big riddle tonight. Number one state, according to that report, Nebraska. Go figure. More on that straight ahead. Don't go anywhere.
0: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S.
1: All right, America. Welcome back. We're going into the speed round. We're going to get to your calls. Let's take it to Kentucky, WKCT. Let's go to Bowling Green and check in with Brad. Hey, Brad, you're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead, sir.
8: Hey, hey, Rich. I like your show. I think you do well. I, I'm going to make Thank it you. quick. I, I'm wondering why they don't have drones flying over Gaza strips, and their strip, and then you know, shoot laser down and just hold that laser on that building if they know that that rocket came out over, they can see it on the top and just take the buildings out like that. And, and, uh, it seemed like it would be a whole lot easier.
1: I have a uh, feeling, Brad, that you're right. And that that's a happening right now for the sake of surveillance. Again, this is a really interesting scenario, right? So you have not only this crazy mass murder frenzy that went on from Saturday and Sunday, Uh, But now you have a hostage situation uh, with a barricaded subject, right? These people are hiding in buildings that have underground tunnels where they can move around without being seen. And they're surrounded by not only the civilians that live there because it's super densely populated. I think I read somewhere that this might be the most densely populated uh, place in the Middle East, um, Gaza. So when, when you look at that, and you combine that with the fact that they have 150 or 200 hostages and they're Americans. B.B. Netanyahu can't go in there. To, I'm sorry, President Biden. I'm going to kill all the Americans. I mean, he could. Uh, and honestly, if any president's going to take it lying down, it's going to be Joe Biden. But I just don't see that happening. You, you just really can't do it that way. So you have to now uh, have some sort of intel to figure out which building do we blow up and how closely can we get there? And. And I think that's where they are right now is just weighing all of those options uh, to figure out what's the best way for us to do exactly what you're saying, Brad, which is send a drone in there and blow them up, kind of like Trump blew up Soleimani. And they're going to have to blow up a lot more people than just one general. Brad, I want to thank you for the call, brother. I appreciate your kind words. Thank you, America, for putting up with me tonight. Hasta la próxima. Until the next time, take care. Good night. And God bless. We're going to do it all again tomorrow. God willing. I'm Rich Valdez.
2: John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together,